Today's episode of The Eater Upsell was brought to you by Dell. Today's segment is sponsored by the Dell XPS 13 laptop with an 8th gen Intel Core i7 processor. Experience Dell Cinema's incredible color, sound, and streaming on the Dell XPS 13. It's the laptop for people who watch things on their laptop. Learn more at dell.com slash XPS 13. Sponsored by Dell and Intel. Holy cow, welcome back to the Eater Upsell, a podcast from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I am in the studio with my co-host, Amanda Clute. She is... Hi, Daniel. Yeah, she's here. <laughs> she's taking a break from her parental leave to yep. do the only thing in life that she cares about. Which is <laughs> stories. Food best, stories! Best stories of the month. Yeah. Well, for the Eater Upsell. We've shaken off from the whole of the month thing, unfortunately. We're just kind of dropping them like every Whenever. 20 days. But, you know, food stories of the last 30 days, yeah. I guess we could I was call thinking it. we should have done best food stories of the year, since this is the last wow. show of the year. But then it would have required extra effort. No, but we got to squeeze some content out of the that. trends because tr- people love trends podcasts, like what to look for in 2019 oh, in foods. Do that? Yeah, do we've got to do that one. Good. That one always does way better than I expected to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so if you want to hear that one, make sure to subscribe to the show. Hit us with all the stars mm-hmm. on all the platforms and send, send us, us a trend. Send Upsell us a trend. Yeah, if you want to call in and give us a trend, favorite trend, least favorite trend, let me know. I'm just Dan at Eater. dot com. I think yeah, Dan at Eater. dot com mm-hmm. and Though or Upsell at Eater. dot com. It should be Daniel, but I, I was excited. I got a note from Daniel's mother <laughs> recently wow. saying she only calls him Daniel, and now I'm going to do the same. Yeah, I just I jumped on the opportunity to have a really short email address because I'd never had one before. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's also like a fun thing if I'm at a party or something. Yeah, man, shoot me an email, Dan at. It's just Dan at Eater. It's just Dan at Eater. Yeah, I've never actually gotten an email when I say that to anyone, but uh, no, no one ever remembers. Well, I'm sure if they really wanted to email me, they'd. Anyway, anyway, uh, anyway, food stories. Let's get into it. First story I have is I'm sure you've seen this on you know on TV or something somewhere, but Starbucks is banning porn. You're no longer (laughs) allowed to watch porn on their free Wi-Fi. As is Tumblr. See, it's as is Tumblr. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know why this is even a story. If I had gone to Starbucks and happened to accidentally stumble on a porn site and it was blocked to begin with, I would not have been surprised. But I guess this is limiting your free. It's no longer you're no longer given the ability to browse the internet. I guess if not, if the whole internet is not open to you, I guess that's what the backlash to this is. Sure. I to me it just says there was a problem that I wouldn't have guessed happening at Starbucks <laughs> that the people who work there are very aware of. <laughs> it's so, not just like oh the ho- homeless people use the bathrooms and a lot of people use their free internet to look at porn. They said while it rarely occurs the use of Starbucks public Wi-Fi to view illegal or egregious content is not nor has it ever been permitted. We have identified a solution to prevent this content from being viewed within our stores and will begin introducing to our U.S. locations in 2019. The, the main thing I think about here and is that I have never been at a Starbucks where I'm like, boy, this Wi-Fi is good enough to stream on. That's a good point. Yeah. The so, Wi-Fi is never that strong. Yeah. So I don't think even if you were. But maybe it, you're going to very crowded ones. That's true. I'm definitely so, going to New York Starbucks locations. Maybe some people go to less crowded ones, and then it's even weirder when someone's watching porn because it's just like two of you. Did you hear about the guy who got stuck in a grease trap? No, nope. a restaurant grease trap. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> can you uh, can you explain? Well, actually, I'll, do you want me to explain what a grease trap is? Uh, sure. There's a little box in every kitchen um, that 
funnels all the grease that the vents suck up and strains it out, and then you have to empty it often. And it is the most disgusting thing in the world. Yeah, it's very gross. But... How did what happened? So to this, this guy? guy was stuck there for two days. <laughs> he almost died. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. it is terrible. But what I find interesting about this story is the the jokes that the police officers make about it. No, because like he almost died. Yeah, uh, the police officers are cracking jokes. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the story, and I'm getting like a people. Magazine pop are up. they are they food puns? Are they like grease no, trap no, he puns? Just said, the first quote in the story is We checked and he was not Santa Claus. Kelly joked to the Mercury News. <laughs> <laughs> like this poor guy is like on the verge of death. Like he was massively dehydrated and freezing cold. He's like, hey, it's not Santa Claus. Where was He's this fine. an outdoor grease trap? It must have been an outdoor oh, it was must have been a grease vent. Like he yeah, was probably cleaning vent. the grease, grease vent. vent. I don't know if he was cleaning it. They are now investigating him. Oh. I'm wondering if it's a Simpsons style, like he was trying to steal the he grease to yeah. sell it. <laughs> or he was trying to break into the place. Or he was trying to break into the restaurant, but oh, who knows. That's a, not um, a good way. Wow, they were just but, cracking on him. But yeah, it's just funny because the first thing I thought of was, this is hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh God, this guy almost died. And then that's also the first thing the police think. It's like, <laughs> let's make some jokes about this idiot who found his way into a grease vent. Yeah. Almost dead. Right. He got himself into a sticky situation. Exactly. Do you have a, are you willing to give the cops the benefit of the doubt here that if they're going to crack on this guy who almost died, he was probably trying to do something illegal? I think he probably was. Yeah. And it, maybe when you work, when you're in that line of work, you just get so tired of idiots <laughs> ruining your day. It's like, ugh. Yeah. God. <laughs> Another idiot right. that we're rescuing. Oh, I love that stuff. I mean, it's it's when, you know, someone dressed as a mall Santa or something gets caught in something. Oh, stuff is so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. So in Arlington, Virginia, there was a cheesecake factory that was celebrating 40 years of being in business. And to celebrate this momentous birthday, they did the public the grand gesture of offering a free slice of cheesecake if you order on DoorDash. Wow. Immediately, <laughs> if someone told me that, it reminds me of like the Target uh, Target client rewards when it's like... If, once you spend 100 you activate the reward system, which allows you to chart your points up to $100, at which point you get $3 off. Like, why bother? Like, yeah. Uh, who wants to use DoorDash? <laughs> Maybe I'm just kidding. I'm DoorDash joking. I, I don't, the, the butt of this joke should not be DoorDash. I don't know. what Door, no. DoorDash is probably great. Because if it was seamless, you'd be like, all right. Cheesecake. True. Yeah. The cops were called because there was a massive pileup of cars waiting to get in the restaurant, and there was some, like, <laughs> disorderly conduct uh, you know, people fighting to get their orders, people fighting to get in. There was an apparent fist fight. A driver was taken to the hospital. Wow. Um, because of this promotion? Because of the promotion. Wow. People love free stuff. People do love free stuff. Yeah. The whole reason, my favorite part about this is one commenter, put, as one commenter put it, the veneer of civilization is thin indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it takes very little yeah. to rip society apart at the seams. Which scares me because, you know, I feel like when you're in a situation when society is being ripped apart, when you really feel like, uh-oh, civil- no one is conforming <laughs> to the laws of civilization anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, those don't happen that often. That's like a once-a-year thing where, you know, you're in an elevator that's falling or a train. <laughs> Why? Well, it's not happening to me. You're like a train. No, just a long line. A long line around the holidays. Yeah, 
but it's crazy. I mean, good for the Cheesecake Factory for commanding such uh, animalistic behavior out of its patrons. It's really... Uh, people love that place. People love that so place. Very devoted. The Four Seasons restaurant in New York City uh, reopened. Yep. It. Uh, we don't want to go through the whole backstory, right? No. Just know that it. the original one closed and the owners reopened down the block raised like $30 million to mm-hmm. reopen it. Uh, they have so many insanely wealthy patrons that have been going for decades and decades that it's not a huge surprise. Just $30 yeah. million is a crazy number. It's what a lot of people associate with uh, the old like 1960s, 70s, 80s fancy New York. Yeah. Uh, it's where all the shooters hung out. Right. And there was a question as to whether or not there would be successful reopening because a lot of the draw of the Four Seasons was the original room in the Seagram building, which is now the grill run by the major food group people and A.B. Rosen, who's the landlord. Um, So anyway, the original Four Seasons guys went off on their own. Uh, The interesting wrinkle here is that one of the partners, Julian Nicolini, uh, is an admitted sexual harasser, assaulter. He It's not just he was accused of it. He pled guilty to it. Um, he's also been involved in a sexual harassment lawsuit back in the 90s. Um, I wrote a piece a couple years ago about how he was just creepy as fuck. Uh, <laughs> he would just be like, oh, you work for Eat Her. Eat Her. Just like, <laughs> what? Dude. Yeah, yeah. He would oh, say so that shit. Oh, so he was shit. also like a creepy comic villain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super creepy. And would just like kiss you on the cheek when you came in and would just he he was just he's a creepy dude and I think when he reopened the Four Seasons there was a question as to if he would get reviewed by various publications we don't review restaurants run by credibly accused sexual harassers so we skipped it the Times, the New Yorker and I think New York Magazine Mm -hmm. all reviewed it but brought it up like it was part of the narrative of their reviews. And Did you think that other publications would review it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought they would. But then they would have to spend the first third of the review talking about the sexual harassment charges. Yeah. So you, is- you were at home as these reviews were, yeah. were coming out. I remember you put up an Instagram story of Pete Wells' review in the New York Times. <laughs> yes. which And like three quarters of it was... The first, the first third of it was yeah. all about... Have him justifying reviewing the restaurant, which is just like it gets so tedious, um, and that's why we don't do it because we saw this in other publications in other cities. Okay, so for you, it's not it's not a hard and fast rule like we would never review a restaurant that was uh, owned or operated by a harasser. It's like I don't want to do it because of the amount of space that you have to waste in the there, review. Yeah, there's two parts of it. One is editorially, it's a waste of space having to be like, oh, I wrung my hands over this, uh, and uh, da, 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 da. but the pastry chef is so good, I don't want to deny them. Blah blah blah. Uh, and also, you only get, let's say, 45 reviews a year that you can write. Why not just focus on better right, people? Right. But anyway, what's interesting is this week they announced that they were kicking him out. So right. I think they it finally became too much for the other owner. Which is wild because this guy's had like year, like decades, decades. Of like of maybe when he place. got sued in the 90s, he should have kicked him out. Yeah, so clearly they had the power to do it. Did you? What did you think about the reviews? Like, did did you think that any of them added to the conversation in a way that was meaningful? Uh, not for me, but I think I think there is some value to them. I think people like them. The argument of think about all these people that are in the kitchen mm-hmm. that are 
expressing themselves like and have this opportunity and it is not fair for us to totally deny their creative output. I think if, that's an argument. That was I think that was mostly what Pete was. That's Pete always Wells what was, they say. Yeah. That's what they said when they reviewed Paul Key's restaurants in Texas, when they reviewed Hearth and Hound in LA and, mm-hmm. and all that. That's always that's always the argument. I just don't buy it. You think, you think they just want to write? No, I just I I think it's a it's an argument. I just it doesn't sway me right. in wanting to review them when there are other places out there. And also in this, I mean this, I get shit for this, but in this labor market, you can find a job. You don't have to work for a bad guy. You can go work for somebody better. If you went to the new Four Seasons and for we'd be curious, what, like please hand ring to us in an email. <laughs> 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 what your thoughts on it are. Yeah, upsellateater.com, and please don't. Please. Well, maybe now people who were boycotting it. Amanda, next up, not only do I have the honor of being joined by you for this stories, but we are we have the honor of being joined by New York critic uh, Ryan Sutton, Ryan Patrick Sutton. Ryan, welcome to the Upsell. Amanda and Dan, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm Ryan. excited to be here. Ryan, on Tuesday, I believe, you published a review of a restaurant called Bluebird in Columbus Circle. Uh, that's right. It's the uh, it's uh, there. There's a lot going on here. Um, let me be brief. I called it New York's worst new restaurant. Um, I'll let you take over and, and ask questions from there, and I'll, I'll do my best to respond accordingly. Well, what do people have to know about Bluebird as a as a as a chain? Uh, as a chain, well, you see. I think it was around 1997 or thereabouts. Um, restaurant opened up, I believe, in in Chelsea. Not this Chelsea in New York City, but in London. And Bluebird since then, over the past uh, few decades, has always kind of been known more for its chic environs than its uh, uh, smart approach to... It's uh, uh, hard to say eg- exactly how to describe the food. Uh, I would kind of describe it as, you know, British, American, French... Uh, or perhaps more broadly, you know, kind of that that, that quasi style of internationalism that's really not international. Uh, continental, perhaps, is the right way to put it. You know, uh, pretty much the same boring things you see elsewhere, peppered with you know poke and what have you. Or at least that's in the American iteration of it. Mm-hmm. But oh, they case, have poke. <laughs> oh, yeah. <What's> that? <laughs> they have poke. <laughs> they certainly do have poke, and it's uh, it's not a very uh, good. Okay. It was served ice cold. It tastes like it was, you know, it died in the walk-in freezer, and it was served over just bland, you know, mush of quinoa. I mean, it was it was truly, truly terrible. Backing up a little bit, how many bluebirds are there? Is this like there are a couple, or there is a bunch? Um, I don't know. Okay, fair. <laughs> but it, it's it's part of a bluebirds, part of this larger D and D restaurant group, and this is kind of their debut in New York, and they're opening up another. Equally sized brasserie. This one is 10,500 square feet. They're opening up an 11,000 square foot uh, brasserie of sorts uh, in the upcoming Hudson Yards complex that's set to open in the spring of 2019. And this one is in the Time Warner Center. That's right. It's in the Time Warner Center. It's actually two by. I live next door. Uh, you know, I live in Hell's Kitchen, and Time Warner Center is kind of at the uh, you know the gateway to the Upper West Side. Um, the gates of hell to the Upper West Side. I don't know. I guess that's mean, but nonetheless. <laughs> It's kind of emblematic of, I think, a lot of the monotony that's going on in the Time Warner Center right now. Because when you think of, like, the, the larger culinary complex, uh, you know, you have on the third floor, you have Bluebird, which is kind of this continental French-American-British brasserie, whatever you want to call it. Uh, then you have a French cafe in the middle that sells sandwiches. Then you have a French bakery. Then you have a French-Italian brasserie on the far side. That's Landmark. Then upstairs, you have a steakhouse. Then next to the steakhouse, you have a little bar that serves some of the same stuff that the steakhouse serves. Then you have a French 
French American Tasting Temple. And then you have like a thousand dollar sushi spot, and then you have a French restaurant. It serves a little bit of Asian influences in the in the in the Mandarin Oriental Hotel, and so it. I guess the larger theme of what's going on here is that if we have this small group of, you know, people, you know, work for a billion dollar company trying to put together a larger culinary complex, should we expect diversity? Uh, Should we expect interesting dining options? No, we should expect exactly the opposite. And the reason... I think that lesson is important because we see more or less the same thing going on at that Hudson Yards complex that's about to open up. Mm-hmm. So well, there's a, Momofuku. There is Momofuku, and that is a good outlier. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around uh, that. I'm, I'm in the process of working on a review. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good outlier. And one could also speak to, I guess, the Whole Food Foods Court downstairs <laughs> with its you know, sog paneer and what have you. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously not a completely monochromatic uh, picture, but it's pretty close to that. So how was the food at Bluebird? What did you eat? Uh, or did you have another thing you wanted to go through first? Well, I just wanted to ask what your expectations were going in. Well, well of course. I mean, listen, you know, um, when one walks into a, a brasserie, um, one is not expecting culinary fireworks, but one's expecting to have at least a good time. You know, when you, when you think of, like, the great brasseries of New York, you think of, you know, you think of the Balthazars, you think of Augustine, uh, you think of Minetta Tavern, uh, three places, of course, all run by Keith McNally, who's the master of the brasserie. Um, and so one expects probably a pretty good time. You expect pretty good fries. You probably expect a good roast chicken and a good steak, and you get none of those here, which is a problem. Um, you know, you get a, a burger with an almost equal ratio of cheese to meat, which is pretty weird. You get, you know, <laughs> squishy steak that costs $65. You know, my two-course dinner for two, my first meal there, and I went with pretty good expectations. It was, you know, a, a fluke crudo, steak, fries, sauce, two cocktails, two courses, two drinks, tax and tip, $160 for one person, wow. which is a lot of money, uh, especially for a brasserie, and that $65 steak was the cheapest steak on the menu. Absolutely insane. Uh, and so, yeah, again, you're, you're not expecting, you know, poetry in the woods from a brasserie, but you're expecting a good time and you're expecting a fashionable environment. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them credit. Well-dressed people there, I guess, you know, dress smart. <laughs> uh, everyone seems to be having a good time, although unclear as to why they're having a good time, you know, given the state. Of- you think they're unclear? Or you're, you were unclear. He doesn't understand okay, why they're okay, having such yeah. a good time considering the food is so bad. Uh, precisely. You know, when you, you you open up a brasserie in, in New York, you know, it, it, it should do something. It should move the needle. I think you and I were talking about this um, be, while I was writing a review. And in fact, that you helped me frame it. You know, you could be a, a, a Frenchette, which kind of moves the needle forward. Or you can be a La Mercerie, which serves like really beautifully elevated classics. I love both of them. And, and, and this is simply yet another chain restaurant. It's a kind of a symbol of the times and that. You know, we have all these great pulsating, interesting, fascinating currents going on through the New York dining world right now. We have, you know, modern Chinese due to the influx of all those Chinese students. You have modern Korean, creative Vietnamese, uh, high-end Indian restaurants that are earning all these Michelin stars, or at least some Michelin stars. And that's like the cool stuff that's going on in New York right now, you know, heavily Asian-influenced. And then you have what's going on in a, in a different strand, which is just a lot of big developers opening up bland places um, headed by either super famous chefs or brands. You see that in you know Hudson Yards. You see that a little bit in the Williamsburg waterfront, you know, with, you know, finding, um, you know, a super high-end restaurateur like Danny Meyer to open up a simple taqueria. So these are, you know, to oversimplify the New York dining scene right now, what we have at Bluebird, at Time Warner, at, you know, Hudson Yards is kind of, I don't want to say the bad guys because nothing is black or white, 
but it's the slightly blander, slightly more, you know, monotonous aspect of dining that's kind of threatening to overtake all that other cooler stuff I was just talking about. So that's why it, it's not just about a brasserie. It's not just about bad or boring food. It's about, you know, the future of New York dining and making sure it's still interesting rather than letting the same people open up these restaurants over and over again. And it's absolutely insane that there we have another 11,000 square foot D&D restaurant opening up after this place got two zero star reviews from Ryan Sutton. That's me and the New York <laughs> Times. So again, forgive the rant, but you know, this stuff makes me angry. Yeah, there are real stakes to this game, people. <laughs> you know, if you want to see the culinary landscape of New York move forward, then uh, then these reviews matter. Billions yeah. and billions of dollars are at stake. At least not in the restaurants, but at least with the complexes. I think on the last point, it always surprises me that these people like who who's the uh, the owner of Time Warner Center is anyway related the development company like. It would seem to me that it would be fun for them to put in fun restaurants and not just put in boring stuff, especially when they're churning out billion-dollar properties. But, like, I guess the reason they're churning out billion-dollar properties is because they're— Yeah, I think they want they want restaurateurs who have the capital. They want restaurateurs that have capital, and also they want, you know, to use that Gordon Geckoism, they want a sure thing. And just like Hollywood wants its sequels and spinoffs and characters with which they're familiar, you know, they're trying to do the same thing for the restaurant world, which has been, you know, going on for the past 20 years, ever since, you know, I don't know, Wolfgang Puck started expanding around the country, and we have the same story being told over and over again in the restaurant world, until everything is the same and we all die. <laughs> wow, so Wolfgang Puck note. is the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe of the restaurant world. Precisely. Oh, no. Well, thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Please keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Sonos. The holidays are just a couple weeks away, but there's no need to stress. Sonos has you covered with speakers for everyone on your list. Give the gift of brilliant, room-filling sound with Sonos One, a compact yet powerful smart speaker. Or treat someone who's been extra nice this year to the new Sonos Beam a smart soundbar for TV, music, and more. Sonos works with over 100 streaming services, so you don't have to know which one your friends and family prefer. Plus, Sonos One and Beam have Amazon Alexa built in for easy voice control. Right now, you can save $20 on a single Sonos One and $50 on a pair of Sonos Ones. Keep one and gift the other, or stock up and treat all your family and friends to the gift of amazing sound. Offer valid through December 25th or while supplies last. Go to Sonos.com for more details. Sonos. Listen better. So the new trend in corporate gift giving, did you hear about this? Nope. Is branded fruit. Oh, boy. <laughs> so there's a company uh, that will put logos like Lyft, AT&T, mm -hmm. Uber, whatever, on bananas, pineapples, avocados, <laughs> et cetera. And that is the gift that the company is right. giving instead of like key fobs or what did we get this year? Like a keychain. Uh, <laughs> we got a little uh, like a makeup pouch or a makeup pencil, pouch. pencil case. Yeah, I do. I really like the makeup pouch. Yeah. I do really like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here's you, you listeners. Fox can't Media see is it. a good place to work. It is. Oh, they also gave us covers for the camera on the laptop. Yeah. Which is fucking scary. Which is but smart, yeah, great, and attached with the note that says, "Please leave open while on Vox premises." <laughs> <laughs> Did it say that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see this avocado with lift on. Wow, it? it's actually really cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like it. I would rather get a banana than like a water bottle. Yeah, no, the lift logo is wrapped around the whole avocado and, and it's looks bright pink. Looks artistic. Yeah. 
you'd rather get an avocado than a water bottle. I yes. will say though, it's I, just, they create so much crap. Like you, people don't use this stuff. No one needs another water bottle, especially one no. with one of the plastic straws built into it. Oh yeah. Who has ever enjoyed one of those water bottles? Corporate gifts I've liked phone chargers. Like the little battery pack? Yeah. Yeah, because you yeah. can never have enough of those. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, the woman who started the company that does this kind of did it on a lark. Like, she never thought it would be very successful, and now it is. It's called branded fruit, if you all want to uh, put your good, brand on a fruit. Yeah, and strong SEO play by her. Began as a bit of a joke <laughs> as in 2015. Oh, she English. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a joke, and now it's a real company. Though, who knows? Maybe next year no one will want She's just having fruit. a bit of a laugh. <laughs> I don't know if anyone wants branded fruit this year. But, I'm uh, just saying, if it was in the makeup pack, I'd be like, all right. Are you, you're telling me you'd rather have, well, okay, water bottles suck. I think we can agree on that. Yeah. Unless you get a super fancy one, like a Hydro Flask. Shouts to Hydro Flask. Okay. Please sponsor the show. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't want a water bottle. But like, what about hoodies, t-shirts, stuff like that? I guess you don't no. want, Yeah. So I think, but the fruit you can eat it. Yeah, but your bar is very low. Like you're not appreciative. You're not. I would rather. Yeah, I'd rather have nothing. Well, and avocados are like three bucks, but that's a three dollars. Three dollars that you were going to spend anyway. I want to know: Are people throwing out the wrap? The not the wrap. The skins, like. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) That was a stupid question. (laughs) You're not keeping the lift banana peel. <laughs> it is really funny. I think it's more funny. Like I would really enjoy going to a trendy LA lift party and then being And in there's a, bowl. a basket of bananas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would be awesome. I'm sure that's what they do for a lot of these. Like Maybe you're at the- an ATT conference. Yeah. And there's a big bowl of apples with the logo all over them. Up next on the show, we are joined by social media master Adam Musa. Hi. Hi. It's great to be here. <laughs> It's great. It's great. It's always great to have you here. You know, you have a very unique voice. I mean, I feel like you're baiting me here because you know I can do. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to like do my accents here, but. Um. Just do a Ryan Sutton impression for us. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want people comparing us side by side. I also don't know if Sutton knows that I do that. So <laughs> Surprise. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. We've had another Chick-fil-A controversy in the, in the, in the media this month. This one is not uh, the same as like. I don't know what what even was the last Chick-fil-A controversy. I feel like they all just sort of roll into one. Um, This one specifically had to do with Rider University in New Jersey, which was putting out the survey to students and they were saying, hey, which fast food place would you like to see on campus? There was a whole backlash to the fact that Chick-fil-A was an option. But Um, because Chick-fil-A is notoriously homophobic. Yes. Chick-fil-A is a bad chain. A very popular, (laughs) very bad chain, uh, which I'll go into in a minute. So um, basically the the, uh, backlash centered around that anti-gay reputation that they have and Ryder University pretty swiftly dropped it from the the options. Yeah, Yeah. from the survey. It's not like there was a planned restaurant or anything. Uh, There was, you know... No ground had been broken. There was nothing in the works. Uh, and in the wake of that, Chick-fil-A issued a statement saying, uh, among other things, we welcome everyone and we have no policy of discrimination against any group and we do not have a political uh, or social agenda. Basically, please do not call us anti-gay. That's mm-hmm. my words, not theirs. So, yeah, that that was a, a fun little tidbit that, that we saw in their statement and Ida reported on it. Um, Chick-fil-A doesn't want to be known as anti-gay anymore, which 
uh, kind of opened the floodgates <laughs> on Twitter. I mean, they probably never wanted to be known as anti-gay. No, but, but I mean, they in this, are. Yeah, right? like in this instance, like, well, when Dan Cathy was asked about this in 2012, he was like, his famous quote was like, guilty as charged. Um, and then... It's, it's, Sorry, Dan Cathy is uh, the. I think he's still the CEO. Yeah. I, sh- mm-hmm. I yeah. should have checked. Yeah, the CEO of, of Chick Fil um, A, prominent Chick Fil A figure. Yes, uh, and that was sort of the famous quote of, <laughs> of him being. Uh, they don't say anything like vitriolic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's it's very much like the the lines of marriage between man and a woman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they're they're a Bible yeah. Belt chain. Yes, that are steadily. Invading New York City. Because um, a lot of people think they're very delicious. Yeah, I mean, I've eaten Chick-fil-A. It's it's not bad. <laughs> anyway, so what, ha- what was so, the what so, was the, well, okay, the funny thing about this is that Chick-fil-A is saying, we don't want to be seen as anti-gay, but while they're not like out there sort of beating the drum on this whole like national marriage debate thing, which was you know settled in uh, 2015. 2015 mm-hmm. it was fully settled. They are still giving money to charities that have really, like, clear, mm-hmm. like clearly anti-gay um, policies that are, like, part of their platform. So one example of that, Think Progress reported on this about a year ago, and that's what we cited in our report. Chick-fil-A reported giving over a million dollars to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which has, in its leadership program, it makes all applicants sign a form uh, that commits to like a statement of sexual purity that specifically calls out homosexual acts as constituting a lifestyle unacceptable to God. So it's not just that they're pro-Christian, it's that they are actually funding these groups that are anti-gay. Yeah. So when this this sort of blew up on Twitter for us um, and a lot of people from sort of the Chick-fil-A fan base and from uh, the anti-Chick-fil-A uh, side um, were talking about it and a lot of people were like, well, you know, they're not giving money to the, I don't see how a Christian charity automatically means it's mm-hmm. anti-gay. Mm-hmm. Nobody really looked at this sort of thing, which is that uh, these organizations while they present a very like happy face to the world, contain some nasty stuff if you happen to be a queer person. Um, th- that also includes another organization that is a youth home uh, that has said in the past that evil has caused homosexuality to explode in the last century. Well, and there are so many Christian charities they could be giving to that don't have this stain y- yes. on them. You know, like it's not just conflating Christianity and anti-gay. It's like they're choosing these specific ones. Yes. And they could have someone to vet. And like I I don't want to pretend that I I don't think that they are specifically going to these charities and, you know, secretly checking off that anti-gay box and saying, mm-hmm. well, they've got that, you know, they they've got their priorities in order. We better give them some money. But yeah, it's just a lack of vetting if they are what you say. If, if it's they are what they say. They are, dollars, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Like people individuals look into charities that they donate. A thousand dollars too. A yeah. corporation should definitely vet a charity if they're giving a million dollars. So they almost would have been better just not saying anything because it's almost like people. I mean, every, nobody forgot, but it wasn't that it was the thing that everyone was thinking about. But the second they become the public, well, I, I think people were kind of forgetting. They're thinking like, "Oh, that was a thing from five years ago," <laughs> but, but they're probably still not doing that. But and they then, poured, they, they got it back, they kicked all the dust back yeah, up again by saying, you look into "We're it, not." It's like, oh, yeah. you're still doing this. I mean, the thing, the thing is, the dust wasn't kicked up as much as like we might like to think it is. Like, I got a 
try and think about this outside of like my media mm-hmm. circle, like very online. Like the average person doesn't, doesn't know about this stuff that yeah. I'm talking about. Everybody should listen to the upsell. Go tell your friends. Like listen, <laughs> listen to play them this segment. Every time we post about Chick-fil-A on Eater, they have these virulent defenders who will come into our mentions and be like, my local Chick-fil-A has a line around the block 24-7. Sorry, 24-6. Got love a pious chicken chain. Um, People are tripping over themselves to tell us just how busy their local Chick-fil-A is and how every time we post something that they perceive to be negative about Chick-fil-A, because, again, this wasn't like a negative post on our behalf. We were just reporting what they said. People didn't like that. They're like, thanks a lot, Ada. I'm going to go buy another six chicken sandwiches (laughs) this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one's saying that they're failing. Yeah, that, well, that's <laughs> there, there seems to be this like wrong, mostly liberal narrative that um, this kind of stuff is like really hurting Chick fil A. Mm-hmm. And, and we know it's not. We know that they're like the most rapidly expanding chain mm-hmm. in the US. Um, we know that they have this dedicated fan base. And it's kind of sad because, <laughs> because what are we going to do? They, they, they hold these very strong beliefs. Um, that personally affect me as as a gay man in the in the United States, and uh, people are so willing to look past that for a relatively yeah. bland but chicken not even look, sandwich. Not even look past it, um, like ardently double down. Like yeah. I'm gonna go out specifically to go support right. them. Because of what you were eating a sandwich to own the libs. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. I'm glad this conversation is happening though, because I feel like even up to even 18 months ago, I thought that Chick fil A was the cute chain that was closed on Sundays. Yeah. The other. So fuck them! Sorry, one thing thing I didn't mention in all of this is that. Their fries are. No, their fries suck. People love their fries. I think they are garbage. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, another. Aspect of like the online conversation that happens when we talk when we post about this on Ada is we get a lot of uh, LGBTQ people who will be in our comments talking about how much how like they they work at Chick Fil A or they go to their mm. local one very often mm-hmm. and in their personal experience it's like really uh, it's it's a great part of their lives. Oh, it's very inviting and right? like no, yeah. <laughs> it needs to be said nobody is saying that Chick Fil A is like booting queer right. people out of their restaurants. Nobody is saying any of this. It's what they're doing at the, at the highest level. Right. It's not, I'm, I can go into my local Chick-fil-A and get that friendly service that I talked about and mm-hmm. be treated the best and still leave with an uneasy feeling. Thanks, Adam. Anyway, thank thank you. you. It's a pleasure to be here, as always. Do you want to imitate me for our closeout? Thank you for listening. to. Oh, wait, no, hang on. Before I do that, I want to be like, this episode of the Eater Upsells brought to you by Smart Water. We looked up at the clouds and thought, what if we could one-up Mother Nature for a cleaner, crisper, purer water? Vapor distilled with electrolytes for taste. That's Smart Water. Thanks for listening to the Eater Upsell. Amanda Clute, thank you so much for coming in. On, Thanks, on maternity leave. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. As always, rate and review us on the iTunes, uh, on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. Amanda, is this good? And Art19. Uh, art. Uh, the Eater Upsell is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Very good. It sure is. You did it.